Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Everybody on the text line is arguing about what makes someone a pro bowler. I believe appearing in the pro bowl makes you a pro bowler. Definitely if you played in the pro bowl, I feel like you have to be considered a pro bowler. You are. That's I mean, if I'm his agent, like, and I'm putting one of those Scott Boris things together, doesn't it say 2021 Pro, pro Bowler? Bowler? If you go to his Pro Football Reference page, where you can always check, like, yeah. all pros, Pro Bowlers, SB champs, There's it says something there. one X Pro yeah. Bowl. Yeah, so, like, he's a Pro Bowler. I know. I, that's why I said now, it with air quotes, which only the Twitch, twitch.tv slash Boston WEI audience could see, and I'm sure they thoroughly enjoyed it. I Air quotes. I do actually believe that I should probably turn my visor around because I look like a douche on Twitch. Um, <laughs> this is a, this You're is the a one ru- who said it. This is a rough look. Um, You've got Michigan colors on your sweatshirt. you got Clemson in the visor backwards. Boston Marathon. I, I, okay, I'm just saying it's Michigan colors. It's also That's what Boston I, uh, summer weather, according to Andy. It's 45 degrees. Time to break uh, out the shorts. Absolutely. Hardo, the hardo move of all hardo moves. It's always great at the end of the Love show. It. I know what kind of weather we're having. If uh, Andy's coming to join Keith and I see uh, Andy walk by in shorts, I'm like, alright, it's at least 37 degrees outside. Side, yeah. If not warmer, yeah. If it drops below that, then I got to be a big boy and put pants on for the show. Um, you know, Porky Piggott. <laughs> I do actually believe that there's a difference between there's a there are people that go to Pro Bowls and Pro Bowlers, right? And just like there are starting quarterbacks in the NFL and guys who start in the NFL, and that's actually a challenge Mac I think will face moving forward. Is he a true starting quarterback, or is he a guy that starts in the NFL? Dan Orlovsky yesterday. All in. He's a starting quarterback that can mm-hmm. win a lot of games in the league. We'll see. It's nothing new with Dan Orlowski. 617-779-7937. Uh, let's grab a phone call before we get to the Patriots news of the day side of this report. The one that, uh, the statement that actually came out of Foxborough. This is Bob in Londonderry. Bob, you're on. Hey, guys. How are you today? Good. Super. How are you? Great. Good, good. I wanted to point out something that I I had noticed, and I, I'm not the biggest sports fan, but I hang with people, and we watch all the games, and I hear nobody address this, but in my opinion, this is before, even before Brady left, all of a year or two before Brady left, up till now, the Patriots have absolutely become a fumble team, a butterfingers. They can drop the ball any given play, and even when you watch the rest of the league this year, Boy, these guys can bench press 350, no no problem. But, boy, there's a lot of these people dropping balls. Do you agree with that on the Patriots? Uh, um, go ahead, Andy. I don't know that I do. I mean, they they have fumbles, but... they're No, but their miscues, turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, the rate at which they turn the ball over has increased drastically since they're the break. Because they Yes. Wouldn't you say the bigger issue, if you're talking about the identity of the Patriots, uh, would be the penalties? Rather than the fumbling? I think the the mistakes have become the identity of the it's Patriots. like the mental errors. Fitzy and I have talked about this endlessly, like, uncharacteristic. Pa- no, no, no. Characteristic Patriot plays That's been the, the turnaround. Yes, absolutely. At, at what point do the Patriots make enough mistakes 
lot running into the kicker on Thanksgiving, allowing blocked punts, multiple kickoff returns, more fumbles in a single season than they had in five years with Tom Brady. At what point do you start referring to them as characteristic mistakes? As a, oh my gosh, a Bill Belichick team never allows two mm-hmm. kickoff returns. And no, this is characteristic now of the team they've become Absolutely. in the last three years. And you, we notice it dramatically, um, or I notice it when we hear national people talk about it. Oh, Howie Long on the post-game, I mean the mid-game, uh, halftime show, mid-game show, halftime show, post-game show. That's what the cool kids are calling it the mid-game show. Um, Howie Long or Terry Bradshaw, and, and you're like, wow, you guys really don't. Really don't really don't follow the Patriots all that closely. Oh, it's all based off reputation, this. exactly. Yeah. Like oh, Bill Belichick team doesn't make mistakes. Yes, they do. Yeah, lots of them actually. They have been absolutely. That's that- who they are. Now the the specific fumbling are they a fumbling team over the last three years? Four. I mean, I can look up numbers. I I can do that in one of the breaks. I mean, that was something people monitored after Deflategate. Because, oh, the soft ball was easier to hold and they didn't want to fumble and blah, blah, blah. And people realized, no, it didn't really pan out on the football field in the numbers. Uh, they've had bad fumbles. Mm-hmm. Like Cam Newton in Buffalo, you're going to beat the Bills? Oh, you didn't. Miami like, Dolphins, uh, you're going to win? Oh, you didn't. Like, like yeah, Damian Harris, soul cruncher on the opener of 2021. Ramondre Stevenson, Christmas Eve this year. Like, they never used to fumble in crucial high leverage situations. But who are these people? Not Tom Brady. Not, not Rob Gronkowski. Not even Red Jacketers. I would argue. Like, you're talking about Kevin Falk had an early career fumbling problem. He cleaned it up and became Mr. Reliable or James White. Like, you were counting. More often than not, the ball was in the hands of a guy who was going to wear a red jacket. How many people playing over the last couple of years are going to wear a red jacket on the offense? I would argue not very many. I don't know too many. Fitzy? On this team? Yes. None. Okay. So, no one on lesser offense players? Right now that's a red jacket candidate. Lesser players make yeah. more mistakes. That's why they're lesser players. Can I'm we get done. to the news of the day? What's the news of the okay, day? Okay, so... Yeah, great take... news, guys. Oh, oh, news. Hey, news. News, 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 I've never right. gotten that excited about news in my life. This is the news from news. out of Foxborough, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. The New England Patriots announced that Bill O'Brien has been hired as offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. O'Brien spent five seasons with the Patriots from 2007 to the 2011 season, contributed to five winning seasons, four AFC East division titles, and two AFC conference champions during his time with New England. The Patriots finished in the top 10 in offense every year during O'Brien's time with the Patriots. Patriots head coach Bill Belichick said, quote, I am looking forward to working with Bill again. He is an outstanding coach and an asset to our staff. Fitzy, the automatic joke there is mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien's an asset. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge were people that don't work for the team anymore. <laughs> You're a... Yeah. Now we don't know that. People that likely won't work for the team anymore. Bill O'Brien, yeah. I mean, this is I mean, for God's sakes, what is it that like today's the day they officially announced it? Like the Patriots tweeted out the story that report. Bill O'Brien to work for Patriots and resume offensive coordinator position two days ago. I mean, they make such a circus. to get the release they ready. Such a Leave circus. the PR guy alone. It took it's, a little bit. They've known about it for days. What do you mean? It took him three days to write up a Bill O'Brien yeah, to track returns. down Bill and get a good quote like that. Yeah, what a quote, too. What a sizzler. <laughs> yes, you're right. The Shrine Bowl had already put 
Bill O'Brien on their little <laughs> right. uh, picture thing. And the Patriots were like quote tweeting that out. Yeah, oh, the news of the now, day would have been. now it's official. No, the news of the day would have been, uh, unfortunately, Billy O'Brien declined our contract offer and we're still searching. He read for the article and he was like, I don't Chargers. want that. I'm not doing this. I don't, what the hell is that? That's not Mac, what I signed Mac up for. Jones, he's a surly brat. I'm going to work with Herbert. But at least we know. You have an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. His name is Bill O'Brien. He has the title of offensive coordinator. You have a quarterback's coach. He has a title of quarterback's coach. We are returning to Fitzy, as I like to say, titles are mattering again. And when the titles used to matter, they used to win titles. Titles aren't the most important thing in the world around here to us. Winning uh, is. And uh, stats are for losers, right. which is what they embraced more than the last couple in the last couple Steve of years. Steve Belichick's to defense ranked pretty high, and stats they didn't have penalties. Losers. I think yep. you guys are yada yadaing past the actual little piece of news in here, which was we weren't sure that Bill O'Brien was going to be partly quarterback's coach. I was. So that means yeah. that Joe Judge is totally out of it. Uh, well, no, he's unfortunately still in a supervising well, role. Well, he's totally away from Mac Jones, it appears. Yes. Well, I think Mac probably made that clear. Uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> I that, can't work uh, with that guy. It's me or him. And Bill would it say, should be, be like, him. I don't even really want either of you. <laughs> Did you guys before, and we're going to talk to Karen Garigian in about 20 minutes, so don't go anywhere because we're going to get, we're going to pull back the curtain to her reporting and this incredibly validating expose from the Boston Herald about how the Patriots season got to where it got to, which was not making the playoffs. But I wonder how you feel about what Tommy Curran said to us a couple minutes ago. He was on here. If you missed it, uh, check it out on the Odyssey app. He brought up... uh, Frank Edelman. Yeah. Talking about, hey, Bill O'Brien was waiting in the wings all along. This season didn't mean anything. And this is what Tommy Curran had to say following that. I think that probably by midseason or towards the end of the season, it's like, well, we can't do this again. This was a mistake. Hopefully we can get Billy O. Which is, again, they didn't bring anybody else in other than Billy O, who would conceivably be the um, repairman for the offense. So you start to wonder, and I was speaking to uh, Julian Edelman's dad, Frank, today who he is a card-carrying Bill guy. And we still talk all the time about the Patriots. He's like, I think it was Billy O all the time. And they just, he knew he was going to get him. So they just kind of mailed it in on the year. Not mailed it in, but, you know. (laughs) And I still look at that and I'm like, maybe, maybe. So I love this. I mean, look, so they get, at least they, we know that they get, it seems like through halfway through the season, or late November, early December, Vikings game or something, and they say we got to get Billy Owen here. We got to start. We got to start reaching out to him, even though apparently he said that he, this is where it loses connection for me because he said he didn't hear anything from Foxborough. But behind the scenes, they're like making plans. Are they? Are they making like a grand pitch that they're going to present to him in a couple weeks? Yes, I, I believe that they did not have contact with him from when he said what April when he visited through. It was when they were doing media day for the Alabama. Can we get you? No, we made a two-year deal. Okay, and that was it. They just shut off, con- right. shut off contact. And that's very Belichickian. It's very, it's de- excessively deferential. I would say. Yeah, but did it become obvious they needed him? Sure, but this idea from Frank Edelman and others that it was a fait accompli. But, but you're the one who said, though. You have said that if I that did. was the case, if that was the case all along, that you believe that to be a fireable offense. Yeah, you wasted a year. After yeah, wasting a, a year a couple of years ago. A lost Wait, season. How can you be a like Frank Edelman, Bill, we trust guy? And I then, think it was Billy O all the time. So you wasted a year? Let me tell you, Tom, I think it was him all along. Not only wasted a year. Yeah. 
What damage has we been talking about it? I think you'll get a clean slate, fresh slate. You can move forward. They're pretty young still. Probably not irreparable damage, but you wasted a year and took a chance at screwing up your quarterback. Is that is that good business? That's pretty bad business. Yeah. Not a lot of Mac Jones jerseys sold this year, and they Mac Jones was the number six jersey seller last year. What did he drop to? Do you have the way metrics? out of the top ten? Really? Yes. Do they do they chart it outside the top ten? I'm just no. But he long gone. Them. Like it was. Like, he was number six, and then he was gone. You said really with like a surprised question mark. <laughs> he was terrible. The team was terrible. Yeah, it no, was a no, debacle. No, I was saying. Wait, wait, the, can yeah. I clarify my really? That no, no, he was no, no, six really? last year. Yeah. Yeah, that surprised me. He was a Pro Bowl quarterback. But he was also was suck he? on that text Andy, line. Andy, he wasn't just a Pro Bowl quarterback. He was a stud on this national team that always sells headlines. I got to be honest. I live in playoffs. this New England bubble. I don't know what people are saying outside sometimes. If like, you but know what? Go down to D.C. Nobody was, gives a crap about Mac Jones. He was top 100. NFL top 100. Yep. Pro Bowl. A lot goes of to the playoffs. about that, too. Like, well, you should grouse. Was he great? Was he really well, one of the best I'm from New England. Players? My resting state is grouse. Yes. Okay. Boys, we got a trend. When we come back on yeah, the other side, on don't go anywhere. Because we will have Karen Garrigian to speak to about this expose from the Boston Herald. What went wrong? The most dysfunctional season with the Patriots under Bill Belichick. We'll hit that next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Digging through the wreckage here on WEEI, thanks to Andrew Callahan and Karen Garigian, the authors of this fantastic Boston Herald piece. The most dysfunctional season under Bill Belichick. If you haven't read it, go to bostonherald.com or pick up a copy. The back page, I, I'm still a sucker for the tabloid newspaper back pages. You know, New York, the paper's doing great. The New York Post, I mean, they're the GOAT. Daily News. Yeah. Uh, but Herald's back page today, I thought was very good. Rock solid. Kudos to them. Andrew and Karen are getting much praise, taking a victory lap. I'm sure Andrew is probably a few double IPAs deep right now celebrating all the national problems. That man is a dry January guy. Is he? Yeah. It's a personal issue in our friendship, but it's for another day. Yeah, See, since Mego's having a martini right after the show. I yeah. said that I was going to have a martini tonight, and I said that in the privacy of oh, our friendship. Not, sorry. It's Thursday yeah. Thursday. And then and <laughs> my, where's my shakers? The, the weird thing is her shaker's in the Subaru. Well, I believe she said something about swimming in it. Subaru? Oh, I thought you did. <laughs> what's wrong with it? Wait, hold on. First of all, what's wrong with the Subaru? It's, it's like a mom car. No, it's no. not. No. Some Subarus are like the sportiest car you can get. Really? A oh, WRX? Yeah. Are you it's, yeah. it's sportier than a Jeep Wrangler. Yes. They're like rally car things or whatever. What's they a race rally yeah. car? I'm very offended right now. Yeah, no, Do you I'm drive kidding. a Subaru? I drive first a little red Subaru. First of yes. all, Coop, The sporty Coop, one or the mom one? It's an Outback. It's a mom car. Coop, as, oh, as yeah. one, as, okay, then why are you offended? You just said it. No, I, but it's like, it, you know, it's like you can only make fun of your family. No one else can. Right. Yeah, but you're as one I'm of the resident moms myself. here at the station, Coop, obviously, you know, you should be... <laughs> I'm very maternal looking. Listen, yeah. around you have here, a very we maternal Honda. instinct. I got the long exactly, hair. you do. Plus, you're you fine take... in the snow. You got plenty of room. Like, I mean, it's very a functional durable. car. Very right, durable. exactly. Supers are great. Are you kidding me? I just don't drive one. Do you drive I, one? I thought no. I have. I drive a Coitus rejection vehicle. That is a mm. CRV. 
this the Honda CRV, the uh, Costco mobile, the dad mobile. I like a CRV. Yeah, a nice Gets car. Gets the job done. I like a crossover. Yeah. Anyway, let's go to speaking of cars. David in the car. David, you're great, on. Great segue. David. Hello, David. Thank David. You, thank you for taking the call. All right, try back. Maybe uh, he was calling about there. penalties. Knowing the crafts, like I supposedly may know. That's, I supposedly may know. And by that, the way, David last week I don't know if that called, was the same David, but he, it was my favorite. That's a, his uh, take on anonymous sources. Um, I may supposedly know this person or individual. He also said last week, uh, caller on caller crime, callers into the station making fun of each other was unprofessional. Wait, what do you mean? Oh! <laughs> That call do call, do you have callers who call in and make fun on, of other callers? Yeah, yes, on them. Sunday actually. Yes, yeah, oh, I like that. Ten bucks a pop. So Sunday we had three different callers criticize each other's demeanor, call topics, subject, manner of being, etc. And David then weighed in later during the six and a half hour uh, Fitzy and Hart pregame show, and David said that callers making fun of callers was unprofessional. Now, I'm not gonna let you set the standard. Ooh, Danny, that's, that's Danny. Yeah. he's a paid caller. Okay, so since we are about to talk to Karen Garrigan from the Boston Herald, in case, here's the thing about Karen. She doesn't self-promote a lot. So we have to do it for her. Yes, we do. This is our job because she is not a hot take artist. She's not looking for clicks. She's not looking for likes. She's not on Instagram. She doesn't do any of this. She's just the sports writer of the year, by the way. She talks to football players and writes smart stories. That's all you need. And coaches and all other sorts of people around the game of football. If you want to know that Karen is trustworthy, just listen to this bizarro interaction, in case you haven't heard it, over Zoom in the 2020 season when Gronk first went down to Tampa Bay and Karen dropped in on one of their Zoom availabilities. I'll go to Karen Garrison. Hi, Rob. Oh, Karen. Hello. Hey, how are you? You're, where are you, Boston? This is crazy. You're zooming in the, our, our press conferences. This is nuts. <laughs> well, it's our only way to have contact with you, so we'll take it. All right. Hello. <laughs> it's just so pure. It really I just, is. I just feel like it's important because I don't know if everybody out there knows Karen, and she is an extremely trustworthy person. And she's just trying to get this story right. And that's why, to your point, Andy, like all the credit in the world to Andrew. He works super hard. He has a great Patriots uh, Pats Interference podcast. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. But Karen, like there, there is a level of, okay, this is someone who's not in it to, you know, build a big name or right. get clicks or anything like that. She just is a great reporter. Hey, yeah. guys, we have Ivan here. Karen, you want to lead off? Hey, hot stuff. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you doing? That's okay. <laughs> I don't know. Hot don't stuff? Know hey, sugar When baby. you're Ivan Fears and you've been there long enough, you know, you can That's say okay. anything. Well, those two can basically do what they want. Like, they're old school. Like, this is their world they're living in. So Karen can say what she wants and Ivan can say what he wants. But I do believe that we were talking about it earlier, the evolution of this from a hit piece to, uh, maybe it's kind of believable, unnamed sources, whatever. I think Andrew would have heard more criticism if it were just his byline than Karen. I think Karen brings legitimacy to Gravitas. it. Gravitas. And I'm not saying, yeah. like, they slapped it on for that reason. I think they both did reporting on this. I think it is uh, both uh, people deserving to have their byline there. But she, if you don't like Karen... Uh, then I, that's a you problem. Then you just don't like people. Right. Like, mm-hmm. she's likable and she's trustworthy. I've never, like, you brought it up earlier. One of you brought it up. Isaiah Wynn had an issue with Mike Reese. And I we're like, up, whoa, yeah. not too many people have issues with Mike Reese. 
I don't know any big piece. What's up, baby? <laughs> I don't know anyone who's had a having a fun day. That's what they Cameron. say about Mike, by the way. Easy. Yeah, doing all right. Karen, I've never, I can't recall a single player having an issue with her, a single coach having an issue with her. So even Mike Reese occasionally has a, a little foe in the locker room. Not Karen. Karen is trusted by all, respected by all. She's as good as it gets. Real quick before we talk to her, Andy, what is your take as somebody who's been writing in the market for many years now? Decades. In uh, About using anonymous sources. I'm fine with it. If you try, I ha you have issues if you burn me, but that's where reporting comes in. Like, I trust reporters to go through the information, to have multiple sources, to... This doesn't smell quite right. I'm being used by an agent, by a team, but it's part of the business. And it's not just this business. It's reporting in general, right? Like, that's how you get the best information because people don't want to lose their careers or, you know, put themselves in harm, but they do have information that you want. So I'm fine with it. And if you trust the source, you've trust the reporter, it's gold. Okay, joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline is Karen Garigian of the Boston Herald, oh, one of Karen, the authors, one of the authors of this <laughs> great piece in today's Boston Herald and on BostonHerald.com with Andrew Callahan about the most dysfunctional season under Bill Belichick. Karen, thank you so much. I'm so happy to have you on. Just reading through this story, it's something that I think a lot of us were aware that was happening as the season went along but i gotta ask you reporting it how much of this was new information to you and getting the right quotes for it how much of it was stuff that you had seen kind of develop throughout the season well hello everyone and first of all uh, mego thanks for being my pr director <laughs> i appreciate yeah. that <laughs> and all of you uh the kind words are appreciated um but for the story at hand, I think um, Andrew and I basically knew what we saw, knew what everybody saw watching the team from training camp on, you know, but we, we wanted to kind of, you know, fill in some missing pieces or try and get a perspective under the hood, so to speak. And it got more and more interesting as we dove into it and the more people we talk to about it. And for an organization that has been historically buttoned up, um, just having so many kind of want to share and, and have other people understand what it was really like was very interesting. So that's what I wanted to ask you. Did you feel like um, the the people you talk to, different people, maybe even sort of the organization as a whole, needed to vent, needed to maybe release all of this to move on? Was this like a cleanse maybe for some of the people you talked to? Well, partially, yeah. Um, it, it, it seemed like that, and eventing, <laughs> that's a good word for it. But, you know, as as we went along too, you know, when when – People are talking about credibility and unnamed sources and so on and so forth. I'll say two things about that. Number one, you know, we left it as a source because the, the closer you identify, if we said, oh, this is a player source or a coach source or, you know, that kind of narrows the field down to who it might be. So, you know, First and foremost, you're trying to protect the people who are talking to you. So that's number one. Number two, 
um, the way Andrew and I went about it in why we collaborated was, you know, okay, I heard this from so-and-so, you know, can't just go with what so-and-so said. You got to kind of back it up and see if you can kind of corroborate, uh, you know, with other people. So, you know, we were basically connecting dots all around, trying to see if the same message came across from every person that we spoke with. And basically, the result is what you have. All the, all the dots we were able to connect and corroborate. Karen, obviously, what gets painted is a picture of poor communication, bad ideas, and dysfunction. But was it actually worse even than you and Andrew felt comfortable reporting on? Or is this really the full extent of how unhappy players and coaches were this season? Well, I mean... <laughs> There were some things and stories and things we were told that um, we pro- we some things we weren't able to report because it would probably be easy to identify where it came from. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah. you know, some of those things didn't make it in. Um, but I think, I think, you know. There, there was, you know, I think everyone put their best foot forward to start, even though it made no sense, even to the people involved, uh, how they were going about a changing, changing an offense that had worked for so many years, number one. And number two, having two coaches who had never coached offense teaching that offense. But, you know, Everyone, everyone tried. They gave it the college try, but it became apparent right away that it just wasn't going to work. Although they kept trying, they kept trying, and what wound up happening is, you know, there was at least a half dozen or so players who were who had either played in the Shanahan style offense or McVeigh offense, and. You know, just having them question or say, well, well, what about this? My experience is this. All of those things caused issues and distrust and, you know, pushback. And, and so, you know, it just kind of snowballed as it all went along. So, and we're talking to Karen Gurian from the Boston Herald, one of the authors of today's uh, bombshell story. Uh, about the most dysfunctional season under Bill Belichick. She and Andrew Callahan of the Patriots beat there. Uh, You speak about that, uh, some of the questioning and, you know, not understanding how they were trying to put in this system that they weren't really equipped to coach. In the sources that you spoke to who are returning next year, how optimistic, excited are they to be you know, involved with, coaching with, or playing under Bill Belichick again next year? Well, I think I think that the, the players, you know, still believe in Coach Belichick, but there, it, it, I think it was a surprise to all involved that he would go down this alley. <laughs> and, again, that he that he kind of underestimated the situation or that he stuck by his claim of, 
well, a good coach can on defense can coach offense, you know, that there's like no distinction. He underestimated what it went into to be a play caller, to teach offense. And, and it all, it just backfired and blew up in his face. And, you know, they were late to, you know, adjust and adapt. And, and again, and it was hard, you know, it was just a, a bad situation for both the coaches and the players to have to deal with. So I know you had the quote in there, uh, Mac didn't like him at all. Um, did this become personal in in different directions from coach to player, player to coach? And do you think some of those relationships are irreparably damaged? Um, well, I think I think there might have to be some fence mending, and and I think <laughs> Bill O'Brien is going to probably be. Uh, a big part of that, instrumental in that. I mean, I, there's so many things now that Bill O'Brien is going to have to do. And one is to kind of recapture and regain the trust of the players. But just the fact that he is well-established as, as an offensive play caller and offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, obviously he has the credentials, whereas the other two didn't. So, you know, that will help. But, I mean, a lot – Mac was broken, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> during the year. And and he's going to have to repair him, repair his confidence. Um, and I think he's going to have to kind of patch a relationship between uh, Mac and Coach Belichick because it, it seemed pretty obvious to – us during the year that coach Belichick wasn't exactly pleased with Mac and how he was handling the situation. And of course he has to realize that he brought a lot of that about himself. And now you've got a lot of people ruining the mistakes they made and feeling badly for each other. I'm just curious. We were talking earlier when we spoke with Tom Curran, the idea that now some people are coming across, I won't say villainously, but as if they made big mistakes and were bad guys or perpetrators, and some seem sympathetic. Did you feel sympathetic towards any of the people involved in the story, Karen? Uh, or have you covered football too long that sympathy isn't a factor? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say it's not quite not the word I would use. It, we, I mean, I was just interested. You know, I was yeah. I was curious. I was interested, uh, and it not only reinforce like what we were watching, but it went beyond that. You know, the scope of it went beyond, you know, how it played out. But I will say, I do think, you know, going forward in part of this, Andrew and I really wanted to be forward looking with Bill O'Brien coming in is that, you know, it allows not only the organization, but the players and specifically the players on offense to kind of turn the, pl- turn the page, flip the script, start fresh, and move past what happened. Do you know what I'm saying? Just kind of a wasted year for, for all of them, pretty much. So I, I, think, I, I think it's a good perspective for them to have, whereas if – you know, I don't know if 
Matt Patricia came back, or who knows what Bill Belichick would have cooked up, um, it might have been harder for them to move forward. But with a guy like Bill O'Brien, I think it's going to be easier for them to just – it's almost like, you know, the saying how they use a bad game, you, you bury the ball. Well, mm-hmm. they get to bury the year and move forward, <laughs> bury you know? the season, bury the year, yeah. Yeah. All right, yeah. Karen Gurian, uh, Patriots columnist with the Boston Herald, one of the authors of Inside the Most Dysfunctional Patriots Season under Bill Belichick with Andrew Callahan. You can catch that in the Boston Herald and at bostonherald.com. Karen, such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to call in here. Anytime, Mego. All right, thanks, thanks Karen. Thanks, All right, Karen. and we will continue the conversation on the other side. Lots of interesting nuggets in there about the reporting behind that piece. We'll be right back. Welcome back. WEEI, Megan Annalini here with Andy Hart and Nick Fitzy-Stevens. We just spoke with Karen Garigian, one of the authors of this Boston Herald piece uh, detailing behind the scenes how things went so wrong with this Patriot season. And I am seeing a couple comments, both in the Twitch chat and on the text line, which you're intently staring at right now, Andy. Um, What's the big deal? It's not like they went, you know, one in 16. That's what one person went. What is the wreckage that you're picking through? Why is this so catastrophic? And I would say, if you feel that way, if it takes like it being a two-win season, one-win season, four-win season, I don't think you're seeing what's potentially happening in real time which is this is the greatest coach in history and this is coming towards the end of his career and what happened with this season the things that went wrong were mostly due to the decisions that he made well before the season started and so it's fair to look at that and say did he realize at the time as training camp went on as the season went on, when did he realize how much he screwed up? And what did he? What could he do about it? And what is he doing about it now? Well, I, I think you start with Robert Kraft wants to be a contender every year. He has said that. He has made that clear. Patriots were not a contender this year. So this was not a good enough season in the eyes of Robert Kraft. Now, Playoff contender or like Super Bowl contender? Contender. Okay. He says contender, and I take that to be Super Bowl. And he is fixated on... Don't have a playoff win in now four years, Mm -hmm. I'll insert, because he was three at the time. You didn't make the playoffs. You haven't won a playoff game. Your owner, who I I often refer to with Fitzy, he's the patriarch of Patriot Nation. He was a season ticket holder, the story of the metal bench and Foxborough Stadium and all of that. He, in my opinion, emboldens fans to feel a certain way. Like when he's worked up, it's like, wow, if he's worked up, he's a fan. He's like, like okay, this is up. what the standards are. Right. This that isn't just business. Us to feel the same way. Right. I'm not just in this to make money and do whatever else. So he, this is a very disappointing season for him that I think he had hope for. You go back to the spring when he was talking about, well, the two most important things are quarterback and coach. I think we have those. So we're moving forward. You have to have those. But one of those derailed the other, right? The coach made a decision that, de- or general manager or whatever, put guy putting it all together, made a decision that it's derailed right, it's the, the other guy. Like that's obvious. Yes, it is. So they missed the. I thought we were title town, Fitzy. We're in title town. But but now this is don't worried town from that perspective. Like what, what are you guys doing? It's not like they only won two games. They barely missed the playoffs. 
It's like chastising us for saying it was a lost, wasted season. Well, you hear callers call in and love you, callers, 617-779-7937. You're the worst, but we love you. No, I do love the callers, <laughs> but too. occasionally they'll call in and they'll say, well, if they had gotten into the playoffs, they could have made some noise there. You know, they I think if have. they'd gotten in, of course, you're fans. Like, you're going to be optimistic that way. I'm not going to knock you, but then why are you okay with an eight-win season under the greatest coach of all time? Nobody should be ashamed of yourself. Nobody should be okay with an eight-win season. In fact, the feeling you should have before you turn the page and move on with Bill O'Brien, as highlighted by Orlovsky, Karen Garrigan, et al., is, wow, I'm actually more frustrated now that I read Excuse me. First, you're validated and vindicated reading this. Then you're more frustrated. You go through, like, stages of grief or depression here. I'm more frustrated because if they actually were able to pull their head out of their blank and make some appropriate decisions this past season, they should have and could have won 10, 11 games this year, and they would have been able to probably win a playoff game because coaching and the mistakes made therein by a piss-poor coaching staff is what actually ended up costing this team. Line play, fumbles, receivers running into each other, quarterbacks that didn't know where to go with the ball and at what time. That cost this team, but it's done. And now you just and now you move on from it. It's good to know the details because I'm a firm believer in learning from the past. And those of us who don't learn from it are damned to repeat it again. And the Robert Kraft let us know, Andy, we sure as hell were not going to be doing that again. And maybe most importantly or tangent tangibly sort of on the surface, uh Bean. What the hell is the Bills GM? Brandon Bean. Brandon Bean reminded us this week. Something Patriots fans have been giddy about for the last year plus or prior to this year. The most one of the key factors in football success is a quarterback on a rookie contract. You just used year two of Mac Jones rookie contract on a wasted season on a season where you derailed it because I'm with Fitzy. I mock the idea that if you had gotten in, you could have made some noise under the current format of the Patriots. Right. Yes. Under but if the Bill who o- they were at right. the end of the season. But if they had had Bill O'Brien from week one of this year, and even if they were a similar mediocre team, nine or ten win team, sneak in, I would have felt better because you're a more mature, competent, mm-hmm. stabilized unit. You might have had a chance. But Brent, what's his name? Brandon? Brandon Bean. Brandon Bean. I don't know why I can't remember his name. Bean. I keep thinking Billy Bean. 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 Brandon Bean. I don't think that's the part that's No, it's, it's the first name. You I know the last <laughs> name. It's Brandon, Billy Bean. Brandon. 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 Bean. Okay, Brandon. Andy. Brandon Bean. Let's go, Brandon Let's Bean. Let's go, Brandon. Um, he talks about it. Like, that's a thing in football, the rookie contract. If you have a Pro Bowl quarterback on a rookie contract, you have a chance. Like, you, that gives you a theoretical competitive advantage. You just kicked away a year of that. Well, and yeah. those guys and- are on their rookie deals. We're paying Stefan Diggs a pretty hefty number. We're paying Josh Allen a pretty hefty number. Yes. See, it matters. You're not paying Mac Jones a hefty number. You're paying mm-hmm. John U. Smith a hefty number. You're paying Nelson Aguilar a hefty Pain. number. What yeah, was my point? Thank God. I'm not quite <laughs> yeah, sure. That, that really pays off. All was Aguilar. Of the, the weapons you put around him, that's worth the money. I bet Aguilar was not one of the sources. Didn't no, I strike me as that no, he seems like a nice fellow. Yeah. Seems pretty... Not that you're a bad fellow if you were a source. Didn't mean to imply that there. Well, that is one. Okay, so, and we're going to get into some of the stuff that Karen said in a couple minutes, but... The thing that jumped out to me was she essentially said, this is stuff that we saw developing all season. We saw it with our own eyes being down there at practice and the games and in the locker room often. And to me, the kind of surprising thing, and you might say the unpatriot-like thing or the un-Foxborough-like thing is how willing and how happy these guys were to vent. 
whether they're players, agents, coaches, people around the situation wanted to vent. Yeah. It sounded mm-hmm. like she she said there was venting. They wanted to they wanted people to know what it was like down there and that it's not all reflective of one person, two person, three person, one outburst, one disagreement, one soundbite that went against the coach, that this was a whole year's worth of dysfunction. And it, that A comes with losing comes with you're getting further and further away from the Patriot way is just automatic success and we win. Um, but I think it also comes from individual desires to not be scapegoated. I'm not going to be the one that looks bad when people need to know that there was a lot going on behind the scenes here. But you can control the message through victory, through winning, through like that power. And I mean, the quote in there that says it all is the Belichick effed us, right? Like he's the be all end all. He's the one that would keep everything in-house and people would fear that now there's not as much fear of him. And maybe some of it is age. Like you said earlier, like, oh, you know, he's kind of coming to the end here. Maybe that's it, too. Like if you're, you know, in year two with the Patriots and you think Bill's only here a couple more years, are you really, oh, whatever, we'll figure it out. But, you know, if this were the mid, mid-2000s, mid you know Bill's here for the next 15 years, so you don't want to screw yourself and maybe get yourself kicked out of town. So, but mostly it's losing. I go back to that. <laughs> it's, it, well, Matt... Slater said it to Mutt and I on one of the shows. Like he just kind of chuckled, like <laughs> that deep voice he has. Winning covers a lot, and it almost like you could hear him thinking about the things that were covered over the years by winning. The thing that winning squashed. Well, you're not winning, so you don't have that hammer. So guess what? They're gonna vent. They're gonna talk. Then loose lips are gonna get out. Okay. Well, you said you know this all comes down to Andy, the quarterback and the coach, mm. and I want to get to that next because. That was something that Karen brought up. Where do those two stand? Now that Billy O'Brien is coming back to town, Bill Belichick and Mac Jones. We're going to look ahead what the tasks that Billy O'Brien is undertaking here and everything that went on last season, where it stands. We'll be right back. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.